The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org. I do invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 if you haven't done so already. And I know we've said it a lot, but I'm going to say it again. Shades Valley, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. You know, that is my favorite piece of liturgy. But here's the, there's, there's a funny thing about the word indeed. We can say it one of two ways. We can say it seriously or we can say it sarcastically. Like we can say it seriously to mean truly, yes, that's a fact. Or we can say it sarcastically to mean who cares? What's it matter? So what about that? So... So the question for each of us this morning is, is which do you mean? Like, like when you say Christ is risen, is it he is risen indeed, truly, yes, that's a fact. Or is it Christ is risen, he's risen indeed? Like, so what? Who cares? What does it matter? And if that's you, if that's you, like, you're just here because somebody drug you here. Like, it's Easter. We're going to church. Come on. Like, if that's you, I, I want to try to help you see that it matters. It ma- the resurrection of Christ matters. It matters indeed because it changes everything. It changes everything that you think is important. Everything that you love and that you live for. Everything that you treasure. If Christ is risen, if he's not risen, I'm with the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. If Christ isn't risen and there's no resurrection, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But if Christ is risen, it matters because it changes everything that we treasure. And the good news of the gospel is that it changes all of that for the better. I believe, I believe that is what we see in Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21. Read it with me, starting in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, if you haven't been with us in recent weeks, we've been doing a series through the Sermon on the Mount, which is... The, the most famous block of Jesus' teaching in the Bible. And right here in this passage, we are right smack dab in the middle of it. And all you need to know to kind of be caught up at this point is that in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus has been focusing in on worship. Or another way we could say that is Jesus has been focusing in on what we treasure. I mean, is that not what worship is? A treasuring Worship worship is an ultimate treasuring of something or someone to the point of ultimate devotion. And what Jesus has been doing throughout this chapter is he has been showing us the hypocritical worship of the Pharisees. It's hypocritical because they claim to be wholeheartedly devoted to God. They claim that God is their treasure. But we've seen that that claim is hypocritical because... While sure, their external actions of worship, their almsgiving, their prayers, their fasting, while those external actions may make it look like God is their treasure, we've seen that their internal affections are really aimed at treasuring themselves. They do everything that they do, all their worship actions, in order to be seen by others, recognized by others, given honor from others. They... 
Their worship isn't really worship of God, it's worship of self. Their joy is not really God's glory, it's their own. Throughout this chapter, Jesus has been calling us away from such hypocritical worship. And he's been inviting us into wholehearted worship, where our external actions flow out of true internal affections, for we do truly treasure God. He's been inviting us away from false treasures that will ultimately disappoint into the one true treasure, himself. And just in case... Just in case we have missed the point, he makes his call away from false treasures and his invitation to the true treasure of him. He makes it explicitly clear right here in his conclusion. That's what we just started reading in verse 19. Look at it again. Is he not calling us away from false treasures in verse 19? What does he say? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth a more literal translation of the greek right there would be stop stop laying up for yourselves treasures on earth in other words this isn't just a warning jesus isn't just warning don't do this no this is a command jesus assumes that this is what we are doing and he tells us to stop he assumes this is what we are doing because this is what we all naturally do isn't it We all naturally spend our lives seeking treasure. As a kid, I loved a good treasure hunting movie. So like, you know, Treasure Island, Cutthroat Island. I don't know why treasures are always on islands, but they are. It's just part of the plot. Even as I got older, I'm I'm really ashamed to admit how many times I went to the theater to see the first Pirates of the Caribbean film. Um, Treasure was still on an island even in that one. But that's beside the point. The point is those stories resonate with us because they speak about something that's true. We all spend our lives seeking treasure. We have treasure-hungry hearts, treasure-thirsty souls, and we live our lives on a hunt for a treasure that will satisfy that hunger and slake that thirst. We hunt for such treasure in all the things found on this earth. I mean, the Pharisees, like we just talked about, they thought, maybe the treasure that will satisfy me, maybe the one that will heal the ache in my heart or scratch the itch in my soul, maybe that treasure is recognition, reputation, honor. They lived in an ancient Near Eastern first century culture. It's an honor-shame culture. Honor was the greatest, highest-valued commodity that you could possess. For them to get recognition and reputation, honor, it was the greatest treasure their hearts could hunt. What's yours? What's, what's your, what treasure is your heart on the hunt for? Like What reward do you believe will satisfy the hunger of your heart, quench the thirst of your soul? Is it some form of honor or recognition like the Pharisees? Maybe in your career. A certain achievement level, honor, accolades, recognition in my field, that'll finally make me feel okay. Maybe it's a thirst, a hunger, a hunt for honor in your family. I just want them to prize me and be proud of me. 
Or maybe, maybe it's a hunt for honor among your peers. Or let's, let's be a little bit more accurate. Uh, you, you hunger for the jealousy of your peers. Like, desire the most enviable, Instagrammable life possible because you want all the likes because that will ultimately satisfy. Or perhaps your heart seeks satisfaction in something you feel like is a more noble cause, the pursuit of some ideal, love, meaning, truth, justice. Or maybe you hear all of those things listed and you have given up on all of that and reached a place of complete cynicism where you think nothing in this life could ever satisfy, so you treasure whatever can numb that pain. A life of digital distraction, endless entertainment, or maybe you treasure a substance thinking that satisfaction and feeling okay can be found at the bottom of the bottle or in a needle in a vein. Desire what ultimately is an illusory treasure. Whatever it is, here's the point, whatever it is, we are all after it. Every human heart is a treasure hunter. But we all know no treasure on this earth can satisfy. Why? Why? Why do we all sing with Bono at the top of our lungs, I still haven't found what I'm looking for? Or with the theologian Mick Jagger, I can't get no satisfaction. Why do those songs touch something deep and true? Jesus tells us why. Why no treasure on earth can satisfy. Look at it again. Stop laying up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. In other words, Jesus says no earthly treasure can satisfy because every earthly treasure is temporary. Whatever bit of satisfaction it seemingly gives can be gone in a moment. Taken away, Jesus says, either by others or ultimately taken away by time. That's what he says. Do you see that? He says, stop storing up earthly treasures that can be taken away by others. Thieves break in and steal. The the Greek word for break in right there literally means to dig through. Because in first century Israel, Israel, the majority of the houses were made out of mud brick. And so thieves literally would dig through the walls. A Jewish historian Josephus actually calls thieves wall diggers. The point is that even though maybe over the years we have learned to create bigger and better walls, even steel vaults, we've still got to wrestle with the question, are our treasures that we lock inside really any more secure? Stock market can flip in an instant. Or inflation can lower the value of everything I already have. Recessions come, and thieves still break in. Our treasures can be temporary. They can be taken by others. But even if, even if somehow we are able to prevent that from happening, our treasures are still temporary because Jesus says that they will all be taken by time. 
So now what he says? They will be destroyed by moth and rust. The word rust right there is really interesting. It literally just means that eating away at. So it could mean rust. Rust eats away at precious metals and things of that nature, things of value. But paired with the word moth, I actually think a better translation would be vermin. The picture here is moth, rats, and worms. First century Israel, a lot of your value would be tied up in perishable goods, clothing, things of that nature things that time itself would disintegrate into dust and and make it all disappear. That's what the word destroyed actually means right there. When Jesus says all these things will be destroyed by moth and rust, destroyed literally means to make it disappear. If you've been with us, if you were with us last week, we actually already saw that word. It's back up in verse 16. Look back up to verse 16. There we were told about what the Pharisees do when they fast how they disfigure. That's how it's probably translated in your Bible in front of you. They disfigure their faces. That's the same word we're encountering in verse 19. They make their faces disappear. They hide them. We said probably by using ashes or something like that. Rub ashes on their face, make their face disappear in order to be seen and get recognition and honor for the fact that they are fasting. Do you see what Jesus is doing by using the same word right here? as he did in 16, using it again in 19. Jesus is saying that the reward of recognition that the Pharisees got for making their faces disappear, yeah, that reward, that treasure will likewise disappear with time. It's temporary. Over time, all of our treasures, even literal physical treasures, they will decay, be consumed by moth and worms until they're literally disintegrating to nothing and disappear. Jesus says that's true of every earthly treasure. They will all, all ultimately be taken by time. Ultimately, they will all be taken by time because we ourselves will be taken by time. I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but all of our stories end with death. Each of us will die. Our bodies will literally decay and be devoured by worms until they disappear. Happy Easter. (laughs) You're probably like, Jonathan, why are you talking about death and decay and being eaten by worms on Easter? Like, This is the most depressing Easter message ever. Shades, it's the only Easter message ever. Because we, we've, got, we've got to talk about death because Easter is about death. It's about death's defeat. That doesn't ring as good news until you know what it's good news to be freed from. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. And this matters because it changed everything that we just talked about that will be taken from us, all of our treasures. Christ's resurrection matters because it changes everything that we treasure. That's what we see in verse 20. Look at it with me. But, so don't do this. Don't lay up treasures here or stop doing that. Do this instead. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Notice, Jesus doesn't say, stop seeking treasure. No, he doesn't say that at all. He says that his gospel, his gospel insists that he has a treasure that's better. 
better than anything you have ever sought before on this earth. In fact, it is the treasure your heart has always been hunting for. It is the the food that can satisfy the hunger of your heart. It is the drink that can slake the thirst of your soul. It is the only treasure that is able to satisfy. You haven't been able to find it anywhere else on this earth because it's not of this earth. C.S. Lewis says it best, as he always does. Uh, There's this section where he's talking about how every desire we have in life has a corresponding satisfaction. So you feel hungry. There's a corresponding satisfaction, food. You feel thirsty. There's a corresponding satisfaction, drink. He says, we have that with everything except for our deepest itch ever. And Lewis says, if I find in myself a desire which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. The treasure that your heart is hunting for is the treasure of heaven, which is not emphasizing a place, it's emphasizing a person. The treasure is Christ himself. He is the real reward that our hearts are hungry for. He is who our souls are thirsty for. He is the only treasure, the real reward that fully and finally satisfies because he's the only treasure that lasts forever. He's not temporary. He cannot be taken from us, not by others and not by time, not by thief or moth or vermin. And do you know why he cannot be taken by any of those things? Just look at the empty tomb. There is nothing for thieves to break in and steal. There is no corpse for vermin to consume. Nothing can make our treasure disappear, for he has made death itself, the consumer of all of our treasures. He has made death itself disappear in resurrection. Shades, Jesus Christ, God himself in the flesh, came to us because we had turned away from treasuring him. And we had tried to find life by treasuring anything and everything else. But all we found was death because all those treasures are temporary. They die. They go away. But he did not abandon our treasure-hungry hearts to eternal disappointment and treasures that disappear. No. No, he did not abandon our hearts to be dissatisfied forever by treasures that could be stolen or consumed by the ultimate vermin death? No, he came and he took on death itself. Died our death in our place on the cross and defeated it. We know that because he reversed it through resurrection. Revealing himself as the true treasure that our hearts have always longed for. The only treasure that death itself cannot even take away. The only treasure that isn't temporary. And all who treasure him, you will not be defeated by death in the end either. Because his resurrection was only the beginning. The day is coming when he will return to bring the reversal. His resurrection began to completion. On that day, he will reverse the curse of sin and death for all things. Make all things new, all creation new, including us. Every person who treasures Christ will experience resurrection. Death no longer able to take 
anything from you. You will experience resurrection to reign with him forever in new creation. And he, he himself, will be our treasure forever. That's what he's promised. John 16 and verse 22. Jesus promises, I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice and no one, no one, no one, shades, not even death itself, no one will take your joy from you. Everything your heart has been hunting for, finally, fully, forever satisfied. Chance, I have shared with you time and time again that the biggest battle of my life is depression. And the deeper it goes, the deeper it drives my thirst and my hunger, my longing for that aching pain to be satisfied, quenched, This is the treasure that has been promised to my heart, to your heart, fully in front of Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And I don't mean that sarcastically for a single second. I mean it seriously. He is risen. Truly, yes, it's a fact. And it matters. It matters because it changes everything that we treasure. What do you treasure? That's, that's the question that verse 21 leaves us asking. Look at it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I have five children, which means that the movies that we enjoy the most are the uh, top films nominated for film of the year at the Oscars. No, my kids, they love the newer Disney movie. Uh, the, the animated one called Encanto. Spoiler alerts for anybody who hasn't seen it, but you've had time. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the, the film is about a family, uh, the Madrigals, and they're blessed with a miracle that's kind of physically represented in this candle. They have a miracle candle. And basically, to oversimplify the, the miracle, because it's a very complex film. There's layers here, people, okay? But this miracle candle basically gifts... Uh, every member of the family with some kind of like superpower. And at the heart of the film is the main character's relationship with her grandmother, the matriarch of the family. And, and the grandmother, she claims constantly that her family, she loves her family above all. Her family is her heart. It's her, it's her heart. However, as you watch the film, you can see along with everybody else, that the grandmother's greatest treasure is actually the miracle candle itself. She treasures it to the point of actually breaking the family apart. And at the movie's climax, she, she comes to see, finally, she comes to see that no matter how much she claims to love her family, no matter how much she claims her family is her heart, she comes to see that where her treasure is, that's where her heart is also. 
It's Jesus' point. It's his point to the Pharisees. They can claim whatever they want to about their hearts loving God, but whatever they truly treasure, recognition, honor for themselves, that reveals where their hearts are. Heart. Heart is... This is Greek words not just mean your affections. It means the core of who you are. Whatever you treasure, that's where you are. It's Jesus' point to the Pharisees, and that's his point to you. And to me, verse 21, the your, wherever your treasure is, that your is singular. Uh, verses 19 and 20, the yous have been plural. We get to verse 21, and it's like Jesus turns his gaze and he looks at you personally as if to say whatever you claim you can claim whatever you want to about loving him you can show up for easter and sing the songs and take communion you can do all the things but jesus says where your treasure is there your heart will be also where's your is your treasure where moth and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal that's where your treasure is there your heart will be also and your heart will share your treasure's fate but the good news of the gospel is that it doesn't have to be that way because christ is risen shades he is risen indeed and that changes everything we treasure to to one that moth and rust cannot destroy that thief cannot break in and steal or touch it gives us a treasure that truly satisfies for all eternity First Peter 1 and verse 3, God has caused us to be born again to a living hope, a hope that cannot be taken away. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Moth, rust, thief, get out. It can't touch it at all. Why? Because it is being kept in heaven for you. Jesus Christ himself. Shades, is he your treasure? Is, is your heart's favorite liturgy? Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Jesus invites you to let it be. Will, will you come to him and find the treasure that your heart has always been hunting for. Come. Come and see. Come and see if he isn't the real reward.